When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Play through the fourth quarter, the Nets all over the Warriors, 111-78. Later on tonight, it's the Clippers and the Lakers. NHL getting set to come back January 3rd for training camp for the Edmonton Oilers. We had Kyle Turris on the show earlier tonight. Ryan Nugent Hopkins was on last night. You can go to 6.30Chad.com, globalnews.ca for more. And, of course... Look for the podcast for Inside Sports and Oilers now on the show pages on the website or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, Inside Sports will get you a canned ham. Could take a while to get there given the current conditions, but we will get it out to you. Okay, I am pleased to welcome back to the show one of Edmonton's all-time greats. She retained her WBA featherweight title last week in about at Ring City, USA, a unanimous decision over Paula Torres. It is Jelena Mergenovich on the line. Jelena, welcome back to the show. How are you feeling? Reed, what's up? How's it going? I, I'm doing very well. It is nice to talk to you. Congratulations on uh, on the victory. So you, you keep your uh, WBA belt. You also have the WBC belt, uh, belt. so uh, your 41st career victory. So that's awesome. I, I want to ask you this, though, Jelena, before we get into the details of the fight, tell us about uh, Ring City USA fighting during a pandemic. I mean, obviously it's different with how you got to prepare, and, 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 and I'm assuming there were no fans or very few fans. What was the whole vibe like for the fight? You know, this was Ring City USA's third show. Um, so they kind of had it down, down pat. Um, the people, the production, everything, everyone that worked there was absolutely outstanding. And, and I'm super thankful for that, given the fact that they're dealing with grumpy fighters, grumpy teams. This is a brand new experience for all of us fighting um, under quarantine and in the quote unquote bubble for most of us. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, when I'm saying bubble, it is like for real, we went in, uh, Monday evening and I, I didn't see, I didn't have any fresh air until we literally fought outside on Thursday afternoon. Like we're quarantined to a floor, meals are brought to us. We get our hour of gym time in the hotel, which is allotted to us. Everything is dif- disinfected and safe for the fighter and the team, um, but it but it was it was kind of like you were like you, it almost felt like you were in jail or what I would think it would feel like to be in jail. Can't right, just experience, right? just speculating, <laughs> just speculating. <laughs> of course, let's uh, let's clarify that. Uh, did you so? And I mean, I know when you're you're fighting, it, it's pretty intense. But did it did it sound different just because you don't have all the hubbub and people cheering and stuff? You know, one amazing thing about being a Canadian is that most people like you because we're nice people. So I mean, throughout the the few days that we were there, is is you know you just make small talk with 
the production people, the guys that are working, bringing meals, ushering the fighters here, there, and the other place, and and you know, um, a lot of a lot of production. The production for Ring City was was outstanding, um, and a lot of those people had had gotten to know our stories for weeks prior to us even meeting them. Um, so it was, it was kind of it was kind of funny because you walked in there like, oh my goodness, I know everything about you. I know this is weird because we've never met, but I've been watching you for weeks. And you're like, well, this is not creepy. <laughs> like, um, but so so one amazing thing about that is that um, because I was so open and honest about my story, I had gained a lot of friends. I, I don't even want to really want to call them fans, but but fans and friends through the process in production so the guy from the guys taking us to weigh-ins to workouts to whatever to people working the cameras they were all cheering for me even though i'm sure they probably should have been biased um i i did have like a mini cheering squad for me at the fight which was which was super cool but other than that i was i think i was like so in the zone and just so focused on and like I said, putting one foot in front of the other and, and just getting through that moment that I, I don't think I would have noticed. I mean, obviously, I would have noticed we were fighting in Edmonton, but if we were fighting in front of fans anywhere else, I don't know if I would have noticed one way or the other. A unanimous decision for you, fairly convincing, I would say, 96-94, 97-93, and 98-92, Take us through. Uh, take us through the bout, though. What kind of what kind of a bout was it? Was it was it what you expected? Uh, how how hard were you pushed here? You know, this is uh, Paola Torres came to war, and she came to win that title, and she did everything to her capabilities that she could do, and and she was a lot. I give her way more. No, I don't know that I give her more credit. I I um I I respect her a lot because she took. She took punches that I don't think some men could take from me, and 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 to that I was I was quite impressed. Um, uh, you know, I came out in the first round and I boxed beautifully. And if I had I came had I kept that game plan through most of the fight, I probably would have stopped her. Uh, but in classic Jelena fashion, I totally took it toe to toe war, and and you know I think that was an accumulation of. Uh, me obviously doing what I do best and well I don't know if it's what I do best but doing what I feel comfortable with and that's that's going to war and partly having a new corner and like I'm talking new new like I mean we spoke about this but you know two weeks outside of the fight we we had um, Rick Phillips come in instead of Jonathan Banks due to the conflict with scheduling for Gennady um so new new corner man um and maybe not knowing enough about me and knowing enough about my ring IQ and when I say ring IQ is what I mean is is my abilities my know-how maybe knowing the proper strategy for the girl that we were fighting so I think not knowing that and 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 him himself liking to go to war. Um, I think we fought the wrong strategy for the fight. However, that being said, I mean, it was my debut in the U.S., um, and at least I made it entertaining. There was blood. 
There was a little bit of tears. There was a hell of a lot of punches and everything with TNT. The only thing we were missing uh, Thursday was that big knockout, that highlight reel. So, Right. Well, sounds great and good for you for getting it done. You went down there to win and you did that. I got to ask you about something else. And I don't know how, I don't know if you know a lot about this, know a little about it. I don't know if I'm springing this on you. Uh, YEG Fitness which is uh, mm-hmm. a, a Twitter account, has started a petition, and I've tweeted out the link to it, and I think you've retweeted as well. They want to try to get a street named after you. What do you think? Oh, this is crazy. This is crazy. I mean, T.J. Sadler is a friend of mine through, through the community. Um, amazing guy, always stands behind the city, does what he can, always supporting um a lot of charities and and um and anything and anything he can um this is this is funny because i've had friends talk about this we've joked about this and we've we've had conversations about this i mean you know you know my story i've been in i've been in in the city as a well let alone a, a professional athlete but a world champion for a decade and a half so 15 years um 52 53 now world titles i've done everything and anything for charity i can do i support everything and anything i can all of our teams um and everything so me and my friends always joke about oh yeah it'd be funny you know if if the city named the street after you and actually there's a bunch of buddies, uh, Mark Pavlich, Sean Obrovsky, Ken Franchak, who I'm good friends with. We had a, we, we coined it the Rat Pack Boxing Club, and 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 we, along with Eddie Hallaby, and we always joked about having petitioning or talking to the city to have a street named after me. And I was like, ah, oh, guys, you know, that's funny, whatever. And, and it was always just a comment. Um, and then TJ... Um, after this and, and, you know, always checked in with me and with this whole journey and me taking off was, you know, my community and, and the community that we built through Champs. And then not only that, my friends and family have been incredibly supportive through this probably hardest journey that I've been through in my career. Um, and I'm very fortunate for that. But TJ, I guess after I won, just started this and kind of, off the cuff was like, oh, hey, by the way, I started this petition for a street to be named after you. And I was like, ha, that's funny. He goes, no, Jelena, like, I'm actually serious. I did it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I was like, why would anybody sign this? You know, why? Like, yeah, I guess I just find it just overwhelming, like overwhelming that someone would go out of their way to do something like that for me. Um so I'm kind of at a loss for words. And then part of me is like, oh, that's super cool, but it's probably not going to happen. And I don't want to be a pessimist because obviously, you know me, I, I always like to be as optimistic as I can for the future and the outcome um, and work as hard as I can to get the results. But I, mean, I can't work harder to get a street named after me. I'm doing the best I can for 15 years and the city doesn't give a shit doesn't give a shit so i mean like why why care now me me and don Iverson, we've had our odds so i just call it a wash now well uh 547 people have signed the petition and it was under 500 a couple of hours ago when i signed it uh-huh. so the momentum well, is growing thank you for signing <laughs> well of it's course funny. i'm gonna of course i'm gonna funny. sign I was it joking 
I was working with one of my girlfriends. She's like, well, what should your street be named? And she's like, should we call it Chancellor? I was like, no. I'm like, we should call it Jelena's Way because we always know I like to get my way. And she's like, that is so true. I agree. It has to have your name in it. Okay, so I, if... I always if, like to get my way. What stretch of road would you like named after you if you had your choice? Oh, come on. That's that's how fair. I mean, 109th Street is one of the main downtown roads. Like, I mean, I would like a pretty, pretty street at least. Like, some, you know, 109 is kind of nice because you get that bridge. You get the, like, yeah. No, I don't. That, I don't that I Champs is right there. That's a, that's a great Champs call. Champs is right there. It's, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the networking streets, kind of everything. You go up on line to get south or north, you know, so... I, well, no, I, don't, and I, mean, I don't care. Well, that's, I mean, as long as you, as long as you don't put me like off some like dirt path on the edge of the city, <laughs> some cul-de-sac somewhere with two houses. Right? Yeah. Okay. Hey, Glenn, no, nobody still cares about your career. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay, so before I let you go, and I almost hate to ask you this, but I'm going to anyway because, you know, I just oh. I always ask whatever. What's next? Do you, do you know? Ray, did you not see my post-fight interview? No, I save, I save all my oh. questions for this interview. I don't watch those so I can ask all the questions. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, honestly, it's been such a whirlwind, such a, you know, a whirlwind two weeks I should say because the rest of it and we kind of spoke about this I mean I've had my head down I've been working my butt off and honestly it's the best shape I've come into any kind of camp and I think it's because I just didn't want to be distracted with feeling anything I mean I always say people I have one feeling and I don't want to get hurt so I kept my head down and I kept working and um, and I was in the best shape of my life going into this and I needed to be because my emotions and, and, you know, my mental state was going to get the best of me. And um, my next, um, you know, for me, I just, I just want to enjoy, I just, I, for now, I just want to process, you know, I, like I said, I said, I fight, just give me a minute to just get through this. Like I literally fought five days ago. I don't know what the plan is. Um, I would like to spend some more time training with Jonathan. I think at the end of the day, when we do all the traveling, you know, trying to manage injuries and life and, and, and then, um, scheduling, I think I only had four weeks of training camp with him. And so we need more time to figure each other out. So I don't have to get in these wars and get these stupid stitches after fights for going for going for fighting the wrong game plan and and you know and that was the thing is is uh having the right people around you at the right time is crazy important in your life and I was thankful in my fight I had a great cut man who we accidentally kind of found through ring city uh Mike Rodriguez he was amazing um you know Rick was Rick was good, but again, we were just getting to know each other. And the only person that really knew me in the corner was Brad. And and you know, Brad and I were just honestly trying to keep our shit together because without Milan, it was it was a battle that we weren't. We he was more confident in me than I was, and so I just need a minute to process. 
Um, I would love to be back. Ring, Ring City um, was super amazing. They want to have me back in March. Has to be the right fight, though, right time. And and uh, and I'm just looking forward to um, keeping our city on 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 my back and carrying us forward and getting us out there a little bit more. Jelena, you're the best. Congratulations on another victory. Thanks for checking in on the show. Always love having you on Inside Sports. Have a Merry Christmas, and, of course, we'll talk down the road. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me on. And, and hey, if you need any help interviewing people in the off time, I got time now. I got, I mean, who knows now? <laughs> that's, that's a good point. I may take you up on that. That would be fun. I'm that just is kidding. Just... I'd, be, I'd be terrible. I'd just keep talking like I always do. <laughs> That's that's all right. That's Jelena Vergenovich winning again last week at Ring City. She broke it down for you. And uh, check out my Twitter account or her Twitter account. She's at Jelena Boxing online uh, if you want to look at that petition to get. Twenty-five minutes after seven. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. It was great to catch up with Jelena Marjanovic. The NBA season opener now a final Nets coast past the Warriors. One twenty-five ninety-nine is the final. The Clippers and the Lakers. The other game coming up tonight at eight o'clock. NHL season training camps January third for the uh, twenty-four teams who are in the playoffs, like the Oilers, and the season January thirteenth. Schedule expected tomorrow, but you probably heard me uh, mention the Pierre Lebrun tweet from earlier today saying that the NHL likely to have uh, contingency schedules in place in case there are a Canadian team or teams who cannot play in their home arenas. That's still something to keep an eye on. I just, while the, uh, during the commercial there, somebody is, uh, uh, his name is Paul Ferry. He says he's an instructor at the University of Calgary and he's tweeting out, nominees for headline hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price your happy price price line of the year one per month and the one he has from september is this man who erected a giant wooden penis on his lawn fights to keep it up that's that's pretty good uh, that is uh that is pretty good this is a pretty funny account actually seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three if you want to chime in tonight that's the number to call and text we'll uh talk a little bit more about the national hockey league and we'll check what's going on with the augustana the augustana vikings hockey program as they fight to stay Derek 
Eric England announced his retirement today. He'll be on Inside Sports tomorrow night. We'll also have Thomas Drance on the show who covers the Vancouver Canucks. And as we've discussed, Vancouver, BC could be a hang-up here in terms of uh, playing the Canucks home games in Vancouver. We'll touch on that in a couple of minutes. I do have Robert on the line. Robert, just hang tight. Uh, I'm going to bring you in in about a minute here. I just want to get a quick recap because this story kind of made the rounds uh, yesterday, and I saw some sites uh, writing uh, stories around the clip that we had from Ryan Nugent Hopkins about uh, getting a contract extension done. Here's what Nude said on Inside Sports last night, and then you'll also hear uh, Ken Holland commenting on from yesterday as well just like uh ken said i mean we there has been a bit of talk in the past um obviously a, a weird uh different time to be uh talking contracts but um yeah that's the kind of the world we're in right now so um that's the way it is but uh at, this, at the same time right now i'm just focused on getting the season started and uh um in my mind i mean i know it's there but i'm gonna put it on the back burner and just really focus on getting uh getting the season going and uh and getting started the right way on uh with the team here and uh it's going to be a lot of fun to to join the guys on the ice the next week or so and um yeah like i said that's that's definitely my primary focus right now on uh on ryan nugent hopkins his agent uh rick follett and i had many conversations um the, the two weeks, you know, the two weeks right around October the 9th, which obviously was unrestricted free agency, the, the, the couple of weeks prior and the week after. And, you know, I think that uh, the marketplace was, is, is, is so, you know, it, it's changed so much that um, basically our conversations have ended. And I would, I would hope that at some point in time here, once we get up and running, we can, we can pick up and see if we can find uh, find a solution. Uh, I think I've said to you, and I've said to to to, to Rick Follette, You know, my hope is to find a solution to keep uh, Nugent and Euler uniforms. Certainly, that's my my goal. But but the deal's got to work for um, for Ryan, and the deal's got to work for the Oilers. All right. So we're not really discussing things right now. You heard Nude say it. He wants to focus on uh, on playing hockey. And clearly for Ken Holland, he, I think he wants to keep Nude around. He has to get Ethan Bear done in time for the upcoming season, too. The restricted free agent defenseman does not have a contract. And just to, just to clarify, Gaetan Haas can't come to Edmonton yet. Uh, and Holland explained it yesterday. Uh, Gaetan Haas was in close contact with other players who had COVID. He did say Gaetan Haas himself does not have COVID. I, I saw a website today reporting that, that Gaetan Haas had COVID-19 and nothing along those lines indicated by Ken Holland when he spoke yesterday. So anyway, just clarifying that. 780-496-0063. We have Robert on the line. Robert, thanks for calling. Go ahead, sir. Uh, hey, Reed, How you doing? Good. Oh, I want to start by chiming in on the uh, 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 Nugent-Hopkins situation. I mean, I... I truly believe that Nuge will be re-signed. I think as I, I just think it's something that that we won't see till after the season. But uh, that's just my personal opinion. I kind of want to kind of wanted your thoughts on that. And uh, and uh, also, I think I think I, I just want to make like a quick uh, a quick projection this year for the Oilers. But like like I'm I'm thinking overall for out of the four divisions in a 56 game season, I think. I think for a team to win the division, I think you need to win. If I had, if I had to guess, I'd say you need to win anywhere between 
33 and maybe 37 out of uh, 56 games. Kind of a kind of want your thoughts on that as well i i I think that the first place team in the canadian division probably won't have a ton of points like like i think uh i don't know if anybody's even going to get to 600 when it comes to points percentage robert you know what i mean like i i don't think anybody's winning you know 38 or 40 out of 56 i think you're right 34 35 games uh wins could be the top team in the division as for nuge robert i'll throw this back at you i would like to see it done before the trade deadline for Nugent Hopkins because you know what then the speculation is going to be if if Nugent isn't signed does this Holland all of a sudden have to think about moving him at the deadline especially if the Oilers aren't having a good season and hopefully they are um I mean I'm really being pessimistic here but I'm just thinking when I'm talking about worst case scenario that's why I would like to see it done by the deadline which is what it's going to be april 12th this year so that that's yeah. what i'm hoping there but i do think yeah. that it's nudes preference to remain an oiler though yeah for sure i mean no i mean like i, I see where you're going with that i mean is uh because i mean because because uh, we've seen it we've seen it a lot in the past like over the years where like with uh Oiler teams like we've had we've had guys on sign and you know, on the team, you know the team not doing so good and then uh, GM's hand kind of gets forced and a move you know and a no and a move has had to be made that maybe that maybe the GM didn't want to make or maybe had well, to look make at, the look at Petrie. Imagine if they would have had Petrie for the last five years or however long since he got traded. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I mean, the- yeah, like so that's a, that's a classic example right there, Petrie, right? So I mean, but no, but but no, I mean that said, I th- I think that I think the Oilers, I think they'll have a, I think they'll have a decent season. Like I said, I'm thinking they're 34, 35 wins, wins the North Division. As as for the other ones, I mean, it's hard to say. Like especially with that that division that's got the Rangers, the Islanders, and Pittsburgh and Washington and all the all the all those teams and all the talent they have. So yeah, I mean that's uh, yeah. that's uh, I guess that's uh, I guess that's where I'll leave it for now. Thanks for checking in, Robert. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Yeah, I think I, I, and Jack touched on it, or Rob touched on it when he was on earlier, and Jack last night too. That probably the Canadian division, the second toughest out of the four. We'll see how it plays out when they finally hit the ice. Now we're discussing the possibility that maybe you know maybe that all the Canadian teams won't be able to play in their home cities. Uh, Donald Fear, the head of the Players Association, had this to say on the prospects of the Canadian teams playing in Canada. Uh, I, I think it's pretty good exactly how that's going to work, I think, is yet to be determined. Um, and I appreciated very much the opportunity to talk to the PHAC people and the, and the provincial, health, uh, excuse me, provincial public health people. Uh, they have a tough job. They're trying, you know, to, to lasso something that doesn't want to be roped. And they want to try and and be as protective as they can be, understanding that the world isn't ending. You know, things have to go on. Mm-hmm. And so it's a matter of conversing, working with them, talking to it, seeing if we can make adjustments. And I'm pretty optimistic we'll be able to find a way through this. I can't tell you today until we hear back from them exactly what it's likely to look like. But you know, they're good people. They're trying to do their best. They know we're really safe. They know what our record is last summer. So we got a lot going for us. 
Yeah, and, and look, the, the NHL has said players would be tested every day, and when they travel into these other cities, they're they're not allowed to go out. they got to stay in the hotel, so they're going to limit contact with other people, and they're going to keep testing. Um, and, and look, the NHL did pull it off in Edmonton and Toronto with no positive tests inside the bubble, so they protected the integrity of the bubble. So, you know, hopefully, and, and I realize, look, maybe for, for some people, Maybe playing sports isn't a priority, but I'm guessing if you're listening to Inside Sports, you probably want hockey to to be back. Um, hopefully, that, that you know logical heads prevail here. I mean, there there is travel around the country. There isn't as much as there usually is. There is travel around the country, though, and I, I realize you can say, well, hockey players aren't uh, necessary workers. Well, you could probably make that argument about some other people who have been able to move across provincial borders too. So we'll see where that happens. You heard of Donald Fear saying that, uh, you know, he's pretty confident that all the Canadian teams will be able to play in their home rinks, but still some things to, uh, to iron out. I, I do want to throw this down, just quickly plant the seed uh, on the other side of the ledger. And that is, what if this, like, what if it's just amazing to have all the Canadian teams and the TV ratings are through the roof and people love it? Could the NHL look at keeping a Canadian division? I mean, I mean, seriously. The, now, once things go back to more like they they were, the teams are going to be traveling around the league and playing. I don't know if they'll have a full interlocking schedule, but they'll be traveling and playing in other cities. And Edmonton will go to Pittsburgh. I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll be every second year, something like that. But what if the Canadian division is really well received, really competitive? Could they keep it? Could they possibly keep it? For the Western teams, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Calgary, it really wouldn't change that much. I mean, flying to California for games is almost like flying to Toronto or Ottawa. I don't know if the Eastern teams would want it, if you're Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal, because you have more travel west, and then when you come out west, the games start later on television back in the east. Though they could, I think they could tweak that. So, so just something else to keep in mind. I don't know. Maybe this could lead to some sort of permanent change like that. Uh, this texture says second toughest division in what sense? Toughest to win because of equally matched teams or tough because it's full of cup contenders? Surely it's not the latter. Yeah, I'm, well, well, yeah, toughest to, to win in terms of the four teams competing for playoff spots. I, I, I think that's a fair point. I, I think you, you look at the Canadian division and there are a lot of good teams. I don't think there are any teams in the Canadian division you'd put on the short list of the, like if right now I had to list my top five Stanley Cup favorites, I wouldn't have any any of the teams on the Canadian division. But if I listed, you know, if all these teams were in their own divisions in, in under the usual conference structure, I think you could probably say five or six of them would have a good chance to be in the postseason. Again, leaving out Ottawa. But, uh, and hey, one of them is going to be in the final four. So one of them is going to have a decent shot at the cup by the time we get into May and July. So who knows how they're playing by then. 7804. I want to update. 
update you here on a story we we first covered uh well several months ago uh, I, i've kind of lost track of time with with the pandemic and everything but we did talk about this earlier this year and that is the uh the augustana vikings hockey program which was going through some rocky times so we want to update what's going on david ritz is the assistant coach of the vikings who's on the line david thanks for checking in how are you doing i'm doing well reed thank you very much for uh, having me how are you doing tonight I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on the show. Just to, you'll tell it better than I will because you've been living it. Before we tell people what's happening today, can you kind of give me uh, the backstory of, of how we got here because you've been involved in this journey day to day? Right. Yeah, it was uh, back in March when the Vikings were uh, were heading into actually their first round of playoffs when we kind of caught wind um, with everything going on uh, with the start of the pandemic and as well some of the cutbacks from the government uh, towards the University of Alberta that we had caught wind about uh, potentially the Augustana campus, which is part of U of A, not being able to fund the operating expenses for the program anymore. Uh, with that, we, we've always had an alumni association that would try to raise twenty to $30,000 each year just to help support the, the program in any way they could. And uh, with that being said, we, we have some esteemed alumni, and we decided at that time when we had heard about this that we wanted to get a committee together to see if there's anything that we could do. And we started working with the university as soon as we could. And uh, it was in July when we finally end of June, early July, when we finally signed a contract stating that the alumni uh, and our association would take over the, uh, the fundraising and the funding of the program. And with that, it was, uh, we had saved the program, but we still knew that we had a lot of work to do. And here we are, couple days before christmas and we're still doing that work it's uh it's been a long process uh it's been um we felt every emotion as if we were an actual player on the team you have your ups and downs and you have your your headaches and you have your success so it's been it's been a good process we've uh like i said we've had our successes and we've had our challenges as well but we're we're still fundraising today and trying to do our best to ensure that we'll uh have a team to ice in september Right. So just to clarify, if not for the pandemic, would have you guys been able to, to play this, this season? Because obviously the ECAC isn't having a year anyway. Right. Uh, then that's that's a good question, and that's something that uh, it would almost be hard for us to answer right now. Uh, <laughs> everything changed so quickly, and it probably would have made a difference with some of the numbers and coming with financing and mm-hmm. the terms of support that we would have been able to get from local businesses. So that's kind of a hard question to answer right now, but COVID has been... It is, it is, I've always said along this whole process, there's never really a great time to be fundraising, uh, basically, especially now. Uh, but the only real good time for fundraising is when you, it's almost as if you have a close family member has won the lottery, then maybe it's not so bad. Uh, right. but it, it certainly has had its challenges coming with it. And I mean, it's, this is a program that's been in the Camrose community for years and years. And, and it is, always has been somewhat loosely supported by businesses around town and and everything along those lines so it uh it's definitely taken a toll on the program but to say if we would have been able to run this year or not uh it's all we we've never really tried to do anything with this program 
as the alumni association running it without COVID being a part of it. So yeah, I, I really wouldn't be able to answer that question fairly, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand it, but th- but thanks for providing that context because it, it's so uncertain. <laughs> but but I'm glad, like you know, it's in, it's in Camrose, and I know, yeah. you know, I I, I like I, I went I went to Nate and, and I covered right. the AJHL, right. and you know, so I know about the ACAC. I, I know Camrose is a great AJ town, and I often say this, you know, when you if you go to an AJHL game, the ads on the boards aren't mcdonald's and tim hortons it's the you right. know the clothing store downtown it's the local exactly. electronics store and that's yep, and yeah, that's why right. it's that's the vikings connection in that community right completely and I, I think one of the big things that makes us unique um to some of the other university towns in alberta or western canada or canada for that matter uh was the fact that we were able to host the viking cup which started in the 80s and worked into the late 2000s uh makes us quite unique compared to some other programs when you look at some of the uh names that came through camrose uh with some international hockey and the tournaments that they used to host it's been uh that's that's kind of why we decided to do the gofundme fundraiser because we knew with our committee we would only be able to reach out to oh so many people whereas we thought well we might be crazy if we didn't try doing the gofundme to try and reach out a step further to some of those alumni of the viking cup tournament that went on to have professional careers i mean there were some big names that played in those tournaments back in the day and were likely players especially some of the europeans that had come over that was their first time being seen by nhl scouts was in lo and behold camrose alberta playing against the Vikings University program and there's names like Dominic Hasek and Zygmunt Palfi, Sergei Gonchar, uh, and even more recent like Henrik Lundqvist, Tukarask, Pavelski, Paul Stasny, and even uh, the a very well-known oiler from the 06 playoff runs, Fernando Pisani played in that tournament as well and he has connections too with the U of A being their assistant coach for a, a couple of years there so there's a lot of connections that we tried to reach out to via the GoFundMe just knowing that there were going to be people that have been affected by this tournament which was around for such a long time that us as a committee of four or five guys likely wouldn't be able to get to get in touch with. Yeah, well said. So, how can people uh, help? I mean, I, I tweeted out a link to the to the GoFundMe page. Oh, beautiful. Um, yep. Or if they want to contact uh, you or whatever, like like, how can people find out more or chip in if they want to? Well, uh, any kind of uh, if anybody wants to reach out, that's greatly appreciated. And especially being able to spend some time on the media chatting about our story is is a huge help for our program. Uh, if anybody wanted to reach out, by all means, have a look at the GoFundMe. On the GoFundMe, they should be able to find our email address as well. Um, and with that being said, uh, any kind of interest or support or just being able to share our story would be a huge help from the general public. And uh, that's what we've always said from the get-go, that the way that we're going to be able to make this work is by having as many hands on deck. And, and part of that process is just trying to reach out to all those people who have been impacted by the Viking Cup that, or the Vikings program that we didn't even know didn't know that were impacted by the tournament or by the program so that's our big main goal right now the, obviously finances is huge but anybody willing to uh take the time to share the story about our program and uh, the little tournament that could is greatly appreciated 
David, thanks for this update tonight. All the best. I'm, I'm sure we'll be, be talking again, and I appreciate what you and, and all the other folks with the Vikings hockey program are, are doing to battle through some really strange and tough circumstances. Thank you so much for coming on, and have a Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas to you as well. Enjoy your holidays. Thanks so much for having me, Reed. That is David Ritz checking in tonight, assistant coach with the uh, Augustana Vikings of the ACAC. So he explained the the trials and tribulations that they've had with funding this year and then facing the pandemic, but they want to keep that program going. So I've tweeted out a link to their GoFundMe. If, if you just want to you know, find out more, hey, and if you want to help them out, they'd certainly appreciate it. we got to keep these hockey teams going. Okay, uh, we're back tomorrow. Like I mentioned, Derek England's going to be on the show. He retired. We should have some details on the NHL schedule, on the Oilers' schedule. Big thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio operator. My name's Reed. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.